0: Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week I want to talk to you about the power of praying with your spouse. And this is part of our personal life lesson series. And whether you're married now, looking ahead to marriage in the future, or know someone who could use strength in their marriage. There is something so powerful about learning how to really pray with your spouse, and that's something I didn't really understand until several years into my marriage. Before we jump into that topic, I wanted to remind you that this is the last week to register for the Marriage and Motherhood online course and save 25%. This is an eight-week online program that you can go through individually or with a group, and it's just some of the most powerful truths spiritually that I have learned in my 27-plus years of being a wife and a mother. So go to setapartmotherhood.com, or just click the link in this podcast description. Also, if you are interested in a season to come away from the busyness and distractions of your daily life and sit at the feet of Jesus and be refreshed in his truth, consider joining us in 2023 for one of our Ellerslie Discipleship programs. There's a week-long program and two five-week programs available, and we would love to see you in Colorado this next year and invest into your spiritual life. You can click the link in this podcast description or go to ellerslie.com for more info. So let's talk about the power of prayer in your marriage. When Eric and I really learned how to pray together, several years into our marriage, it was so transformative. We had been to a lot of marriage seminars, read a lot of marriage books, talked to a lot of other couples about marriage, so we had a lot of great principles and information already, but being in ministry as a couple really can take its toll, and I've mentioned in previous episodes in this series about the incredible amount of trials and attacks and and suffering that we walked through, especially in those early ministry years, and that can really take a toll on a marriage. We had financial crisis. We had betrayal from people that we trusted. I was dealing with constant sickness, and the stress and strain that we were under was causing us to not necessarily treat each other with the same warmth and selflessness that we had had in those early marriage days. Now, as I mentioned before, our response to all of our trials had just been previously just to thank God for those things and move on with the best attitude that we could. But then we began to awaken to the fact that we were under incredible spiritual attack and there were things that we needed to rise up and resist that the enemy was throwing at us. And we needed to learn how to do that as a couple. We began to realize that instead of just praying broad and general prayers, God wanted us to pray boldly and specifically for the needs in our lives. Prayers that would move mountains, prayers that would wage war on the kingdom of darkness, prayers that would give the enemy a real run for his money. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to be in unity as a couple when you pray. Now this was somewhat of a foreign concept to us. We were used to praying more general kind of prayers and not really getting bold or specific with our praying because we thought, you know, maybe that's too presumptuous. And as I've quoted Charles Spurgeon many times before on this podcast, it's such a great statement. He said, there is a general kind of praying, which fails for lack of precision. It's as if a regiment of soldiers were all to fire off their weapons anywhere. Possibly somebody would be killed, but the majority of the enemy would be missed. And I've shared before that one night when I was sick in bed for the umpteenth time and I finally asked Eric to pray boldly that this sickness would leave. And it was just sort of the culmination of everything God had been nudging us toward to pray boldly and specifically and not just broadly and generally and to really resist the enemy together as a couple. So that night we began to really resist the enemy together in unity and it was so incredibly powerful to see what happened. Matthew eighteen twenty says, for where there are two or three gathered in my name I am there in the midst of them. We began to feel the presence of Christ so strongly in our marriage when we learned how to pray together in the name of Jesus. We began to discipline ourselves to keep pushing forward in that kind of importunate praying, even at times when it felt awkward to pray out loud in front of each other or pray boldly in front of each other, or sometimes it felt tedious to pray together, or we wanted to do other things that were more relaxing. But we began to just press forward and learn how to pray with faith and with spiritual fire. and. We began to see tremendous things happen in our marriage and in our home. Spiritual strength began to flow into our marriage and our family and our ministry. And we found that we were able to fulfill God's calling upon our life without constantly hitting a brick wall. And that's really when we became spiritually offensive rather than spiritually defensive. And I will say that that understanding of true wrestling prayer, learning how to pray, unfortunately, wrestling prayer and stand in unity against the attacks of the enemy had a tremendous impact on our marriage. As I mentioned earlier, we weren't necessarily attending marriage conferences, reading marriage books or going to marriage counseling in this time. But as we prayed together, we found that our communication had never been stronger. We were touching the heart of God as a couple. We were wrestling for his purposes as a team. And the Natural byproduct was a clearer sense of purpose, a better communication between the two of us, and an incredible like mindedness that carried with us throughout the whole day or the whole week. That was many years ago, but our marriage has never been the same since. Whenever things, even today, become confused or blurry between us, whenever our unity seems to be wobbly, we know what the solution is. And it's coming before the throne of God together in that kind of wrestling, importunate prayer. Nothing bonds our hearts together like that activity of pouring our hearts out to the king. So if your marriage and family could use an infusion of strength, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Now, I will be the first to tell you that praying together with your spouse is not always easy, especially if you haven't done it before. And I know even for Eric and I, even though we were in full time ministry and we were used to praying as a couple, praying the way God was asking us to pray was not necessarily smooth and easy at first. And it required that discipline to just dig down deep and say, "Okay, Lord, give us the grace to do this even when it feels uncomfortable comfortable. I want to share with you a few practical ways that God led us through praying together as a couple. The first one was what we called making a sacred list or another way of saying it would be developing a purposeful prayer strategy. We began to write down a list of every area where victory was needed in our home, our family, our marriage whether it was a child training struggle or a specific financial need or wisdom for an upcoming decision. We began to commit to pray consistently about each of those things until a breakthrough came in some way. We also began to write down all of the areas where we felt attacked by the enemy, and we began to declare truth and resist the enemy together. And I've talked about how to do that in other episodes, but doing that together as a couple was incredibly powerful. Now, when we first started to pray together as a couple... It wasn't like we just automatically saw the answers come immediately overnight without delay. There were sometimes seasons where we had to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle until the breakthrough came. But as we begin to study scripture, we begin to recognize that this is the pattern for prayer. If you look at the story of the Canaanite woman who was crying out to Jesus on behalf of her demon-possessed daughter, she kept asking and asking, and he was totally silent until finally he honored her for her persistence in asking and granted her request. Martin Luther said, God may delay, but he always comes. And often I found what sometimes looks like a defeat or a closed door can actually turn into an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness if we keep knocking until that breakthrough comes, until the answer comes. Now, I've done other episodes in this podcast on prayer, so I'm not going to go into that in a lot of great detail. But the importance of not giving up, of being diligent, of wrestling together and not just kind of you know, trying once or twice with a wimpy prayer and hoping God hears you, but really wrestling the way Jacob wrestled with God. That was the way God was asking us to pray together. And sometimes we would pray for hours at a time. Sometimes we would pray almost through the night. And just to see the power of God in response to that kind of praying was truly astounding. I honestly believe that our ministry today is a direct result of that season of learning how to pray together as a couple. As I've said before, so many people start out in ministry only to fizzle or get burned out after five or 10 years, and a lot of Christian marriages don't survive ministry. If Eric and I had not learned this amazing principle of praying together, of wrestling together in prayer, of resisting the enemy together, I don't know where our marriage would be or our ministry would be today. That's how important it has been to us. Another key that God showed us in this time was not to just immediately consult our emotions Or our feelings when it came to praying. Because praying together isn't usually what we feel like doing in our marriage. We have busy, stressful lives, and we usually want to do something that's a little bit more relaxing a little bit more that sounds like a little bit more fun but like Corey Ten Boom said we shouldn't pray when we feel like it we need to have an appointment with the Lord and keep it Eric and I have found that when we set a regular appointment with God and honor it no matter how we're feeling in the moment just to say Lord I've committed to this and I'm going to do it it's just an incredible benefit to our souls and it gives us a love for praying that we didn't have before and there were times when Eric and I were wanting to sit there and veg in front of a movie, but God challenged us to use that time in prayer instead, and we never once regretted it when we chose to pray together. We need to remember that choosing prayer rarely seems appealing in the moment, and oftentimes it's going to be an act of the will, and those feelings of desire and joy and all the emotions will come to follow that decision of the will. As I've, I've stated before, in In his presence is the fullness of joy. That's what it says in the Psalms. And Eric and I began to discover that experientially. And another key that we learned in praying together as a couple is that we need to be aware of the battle over praying together with our spouse. The enemy does not like it when we pray with our spouse, and he's going to do whatever he can to distract us and convince us that we don't need to pray right now. We're too tired to pray. We're too busy to pray. We can always pray later. Those are the kinds of excuses he often uses, and we have to be on guard against those lies and not take that bait we need to keep in mind that when we least feel like praying is often when we need it the most. Another thing to be on guard against that we have learned from experience is that irritations and frustrations and arguments can come up with your spouse as soon as you decide to pray together because the enemy knows if he can get us sidetracked with an argument or frustration with each other, he can thwart our prayer time completely. We cannot let him succeed. Eric and I still have to do this when we start to feel like a tension come up between us especially if we're about to head into a time of prayer, we pause and we ask for the grace of God to put aside those frustrations, to ignore that temptation to bicker with our spouse and to forgive any offenses that may have arisen and then get back to what's really important, which is praying. As Amy Carmichael said, our enemy is more aware than we are of the spiritual possibilities that depend on obedience. We should never be surprised that he seeks by assault, and if that fails, by undermining our defenses to compel us to give way. So if you're getting hit by the enemy when you try to pray with your spouse, It means you're on the right track. It also means that you have to be extra on guard. Just like Nehemiah, when he was building the wall around Jerusalem, the voice of the enemy got so loud and there were so many threats and so many distractions to the point where those who were building had to have a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other hand. And yet, as they continued to ignore the enemy, to push the enemy back, to not listen to the enemy's temptations to stop the work... God's purposes were accomplished. And the same can happen when it comes to building a powerful prayer life with our spouse. Another thing that has been really helpful for Eric and I is to identify hindrances to prayer. When we're trying to pray together and there just doesn't seem to be that connection with God or there's tension in our relationship, we have to stop and ask God to show us if there's anything in our life that might be hindering prayer. Amy Carmichael said, A single sin, however apparently trifling, a sin that we do not intend to renounce, is enough to render real prayer ineffective. And Eric and I have found that to be so true. And just taking that time to make things right with each other, with other people in our lives or with God can remove those barriers and those hindrances and allow us to have that unhindered flow in our relationship with Christ again. When Eric and I first began to recognize how much we were under attack by the enemy and make that sacred list, we began to also make a list of things that God was convicting us about, that we had been allowing into our lives, just spiritual sloppiness or just allowing things in that didn't belong there under the banner of rest and relaxation. And as we began to confess those things and uproot those things from our lives, it was incredible to see how much more powerful our prayer life became. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen, says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So when we recognize that there is sin, that there is a barrier, there is something we're allowing in that shouldn't be there, we need to repent and turn and repentance is turning by the grace of God and walking the other direction. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out process, but it's bringing that sin to the surface, confessing it, asking for his forgiveness and asking for his grace to turn and walk in the other direction. There are some other really powerful ways that Eric and I have found prayer and growing spiritually together has impacted our marriage. We have learned that growing together spiritually is absolutely critical, but it's not something that just happens without purpose, without focus. There's something so powerful, though, about reading through amazing spiritual material together, going through a Christian biography together, studying the word of God together. That not only cultivates spiritual unity between us, but it actually strengthens our prayer life as well. So when we start to feel disconnected from each other, or like our communication isn't that great, we begin to recognize that we may not be growing together spiritually. So we have to set aside purposeful time to Do that, whether it's studying the Word of God together, reading Scripture together, or just simply talking about what God is teaching us with each other, we begin to see so many benefits in our home and our marriage when we make time to grow together spiritually. Some of the ways that we have done this over the years listening to audio scripture when we're driving or doing things around the house, reading amazing Christian books together, studying the Bible together, like going through a passage of scripture or a book of the Bible and unpacking it together, reading scripture or really powerful devotionals together in the morning and the evening. Things like My Atmosphere is Highest, Streams in the Desert, Parables of the Cross, Daily Light, those classic devotionals that actually have so much poignant truth packaged in just a few short sentences. Those make such an incredible difference in cultivating spiritual unity between us, and then just sharing what is God doing in your life and listening to the other person share. So if you're married, I would really encourage you to consider what steps you and your spouse can take for praying together and for spiritual growth because it is so amazing. Even if you never go to a Christian marriage seminar or read a Christian marriage book, you will be so amazed at how prayer and growing together spiritually brings automatic unity into your marriage. Now, one question that sometimes comes up when I share about praying together with your spouse is what if my husband isn't really on board? What if he doesn't like to pray together as a couple? And if your spouse is apathetic toward the idea of growing together spiritually or praying together, it's so important to recognize that it's not a lost cause. (laughs) Continue to pray diligently that God will change his heart and give him the passion and the motivation to take the lead in your growth as a couple. And instead of complaining or nagging or criticizing. Your role is to continue to love him and encourage him and set an example for him of what a Christ-centered life looks like. Be patient and offer grace because you can only be responsible for your soul and not his. And ultimately, God is the one who can work in his heart. So you're putting your trust in God and not in your spouse. So a few final thoughts that I want to share with you about praying with your spouse. A couple that prays together and grows together spiritually is a couple that will have a thriving marriage, even without marriage tools, conferences, counselings, books, or romantic getaways. Those things can be helpful, but I have never seen anything impact my marriage the way prayer has. I also want to encourage you that some of the most beautiful and Christ-centered couples in history had very difficult lives, but their relationship flourished because they remained spiritually unified, focused on Christ, and they prayed together. If you want to study the lives of men and women like this, some great ones to start with would be Hudson and Maria Taylor, William and Catherine Booth, Oswald and Biddy Chambers, Richard and Sabina Wormbrandt, and Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. These stories remind us how powerful a Christian marriage can be when each person in the marriage goes after Jesus Christ with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and when they allow their mutual love for Christ to draw them closer together as a couple. So I hope that you will take these tidbits to heart. And if I could give you one piece of advice after being married for about 28 years now and being on front lines Christian ministry and being under constant spiritual attack, the power of Christ is greater and the power of prayer adds beauty and sparkle and romance and life to a marriage like nothing else can. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.